Amen. Let me just say one more thing. Grab your Bibles, though, if you would. And, and, uh, we're, but uh, this, this book here, it's called The Blessed Life. Um, many of you have uh, heard us talk about this the past couple weeks. If you've never got one of these books... Uh, we have about 15 more at the Welcome Center, last I saw. If you've never read this book, can I just give this to you as a gift? One, uh, if you just pick one up for your family and pass it around, uh, let your kids read it, you read it, whatever. But I'm telling you, there's no book that has had a greater significant impact on, um, on just some theological reasons for giving and uh, then, then Robert Morris's book called The Blessed Life. It's impacted many, many, many families in our church in the message of the Bible uh, that, that Pastor Robert brings out through this book. So I'd encourage you to grab one of those at the Welcome Center. If we run out, that's all I'm getting. So there it is. Um, you guys keep taking them all, so that's a good thing. Uh, but, uh, but you can, of course, get it wherever, wherever Christian books are sold. Uh, sounds like a... And for a love gift of $20, we'll send you uh, the oil from Jerusalem. And, um, we, it, we should have had a picture, I apologize, but if you haven't heard, Jeremy and Jenna White, our next generation pastor, had their uh, young little baby. Uh, Selah Joy White was born a couple days ago. Um, people, uh, all people are doing pretty good. And so you might not see uh, Jeremy around here or Jenna much. Um, what we like to do is give our, uh, our, even our staff pastors opportunity to just spend some time with their family uh, when the new baby comes. And uh, this is number five for them. So they've got a lot of work to do. And... Uh, no, they're blessed, absolutely blessed. And so anyhow, so, um, so there's that. And uh, yeah, I wish I had a picture. Don't, but um, just uh, uh, thank you, God. We love children around here. I want to start this message. In fact, I'll tell you, I wanted to start this message. I wanted to start this series with this message. The message I'm getting ready to, to, to preach to you was really a message that I wanted to start the whole series on. And I just couldn't because here's the deal. When it, when it comes to being generous, generosity, and, and all of us together being generous, as believers, this is different than, than giving out, outside to other organizations. This is, this is a spiritual giving. As believers, we give differently than someone who hasn't been touched by God. I mean, there's a lot of people in the community that give to a lot of different organizations, but as believers... The Bible's clear on this is how we give. We give with a different intention. Our goal is to see what? His kingdom come and his will be done with every part of our life, and that includes our giving. And, and so the first week we talked about a heart touched by God is generous, and it starts with the tithe to fuel his church. Remember that? We talked, we talked about the tithe. I'm not talking about a philanthropist here. I'm talking about followers of Jesus, Malachi chapter 3. That's where it started. In fact, I'd encourage you, grab the notes in front of you. Would you grab in the seat backs in just a minute? We'll have some blanks you can fill in, and you're going to look so smart as you try to guess those before I even get there. Some of you, I know you well enough. Uh, second, second week, that we talked about a heart touched by God is generous and confronts the spirit of mammon in your life. A spirit of mammon is another way of, of money, the spirit of, on money. That, you know, there's not necessarily... Money in itself is not necessarily evil. It's the love of money, right? It's that I, I, want, I want money, lots and lots of money, so don't go asking me why. I want to be rich. It's just all about I want more stuff. And if that's your drive to get more money, 
Uh, this is what the Bible says. You can't serve both God and mammon, both God and money. So we got to deal with that. We confronted that. Not going to talk about that anymore. The third message was a heart touched by God is generous and gives offerings. Do you remember last week we talked about what it's like to have a generous eye? That proverb, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter uh, 22, verse 9, he who has a generous eye will be blessed. Do you have a generous eye? And that means I'm not waiting for someone to come and beg me for money. I'm looking for opportunity. Come on, believers. I'm looking for opportunities. God, you have so blessed me in so many different ways. How can I, how can I be generous to others? How can I bless others? How can I bless your kingdom? And so we talked about that last week. If you missed any of those messages, I encourage you, go back, listen to them. And then today I want to talk to you about this. A heart touched by God is generous and stewards money well. This really, this message really covers everything I've already talked about. So um, we're going to conclude. Lord bless you. Have a great week. Just joking. Uh, this, this message, talk, talk, thinking about stewardship, what does it mean to be a steward? Now, especially if this is your first week here, you might be wondering, why are there Pringles on the stage? How about spaghetti sauce? How about Bush's baked beans and, and onions and bowls? And what is all this stuff? Well, we did an illustration the first week of this series where we, we help to illustrate what the tithe is. And so if God brings uh, 10 jars of, of spaghetti sauce in your life, the idea is, what does this look like? Well, we give one to God, that's 10%, and then we get to keep the rest. And so if God, just illustrate this, if God brings 10 Pringle cans to your life, what happens? Well, we give one to God. And, and Now, I'm not talking literally you should all bring your groceries for tithe next week. That's not what I'm talking about. But this is, this is a principle. The tithe table, let me tell you about the tithe table. Listen, I, I, I just want to share this with you. Pretty much coming out of the womb, I was tithing. I mean, it was just, it was a disciple. I, I, it was discipled into me. In, in my life that, you know, you just give 10%. I'm like, you know, one sippy cup to God and I keep nine. You know, it's one diaper to God, I, I keep nine. And it might be pushing it a little bit, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I, I, this was a big part of my life, even as a child. And um, my parents did a really good job of helping me catch that. But, you know, it wasn't until I was married that I understood how important the rest of this is. Because all of this really is God's. The 10% I give him, oh, I bring that as worship to the Lord. But really the 90% left over is just as much all God's too. He just says, I'm going to give this to you to steward. I'm going to give this to you to look over. And so what that means is if the Lord moves on my heart to give someone a Pringles can, and some of you have been staring at these all four weeks, and you're like... You can keep your whoopie pie. Give me some Pringles. Yummy. Not yet. If God moves on your, your heart, really, this isn't even mine to keep as much as it's, God, this, thank you for this, but everything I have is God's. God has just called me to what? To steward it and to steward it well. And so when, when we got married, this was a big big part of, but you know for whatever reason it was soon after we got married just through different circumstances I just learned this is just as important how I handle this portion of my finances so the question then is this um, what does the Bible say about how I steward my money 
What does the Bible say? Are there biblical principles that I can, I can, I'm bringing the tithe, I'm, I'm going to give some offerings, you know, give, give someone some of this and some of this, and, and I'm going to invest this to the missionary. How many missionaries you know could use a good thing of baked beans? I'm going to give that to my missionary friends. I'm, you know, I'm going to bless them, give offerings. But are there any biblical principles that I can build my finances on? Now, this, this message could be a whole series in itself. But let me just hit a couple things, and then we'll move on. First thing is this. What, what wisdom does the Lord have for us in the Bible on how to steward our money well? Ready for this? Fill this in. Enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have. A heart touched by God is generous and stewards money well by enjoying what you have. What do you mean, Scott? Well, let me ask you something. What has God already given you? This is spiritual discipline. It's called contentment. Ooh, we don't like it, though. Are you content with uh, learning to be content? Are you, are you content with what God's already given you? Is there joy in your heart for what God's already given you? Let me, let me uh, give you a, a, a verse from Ecclesiastes here. Check this out. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. And then the writer of, of Ecclesiastes, most think is Solomon. You just keep reading. He just kind of, and by the way, wah, wah, just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. But here it is. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. You know what that's called? That's called contentment. Now, this is the John Deere policy or principle. I don't know if you've heard my, my uh, illustration of the past couple weeks about the John Deere. It's a, it's a riding lawnmower that I purchased so that I can, I can mow the huge yard I have, 0.27 acres. I need to, I need to be, use my time well. And, and so um, I had a friend. And remember, I didn't share his name. I used a code name, Jason Schmucks. He used to be on the staff. I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he, he was like, John Deere is the way to go. John Deere, John Deere, John Deere. And so I finally got the John Deere. And then what happens? Soon after that, he tells me, thinking about getting a zero turn. <laughs> zero turn? You just talked me into a John Deere regular steering wheel like this? Not like this. And he starts telling me about this. And, and I'm just like, what in the world? And so what did I want all of a sudden? Oh, great. I think I need to turn on a dime. <laughs> How many dimes have I found in my yard that I need to turn on? No, I, I, I want something. Uh, if, if you don't know a zero turn, that's what they're known for. They can just whip right around. And I still don't have one. I still have my John Deere. It works fine, by the way. But what was that? I was discontented. Oh, I loved the John Deere. Turn the switch back one and you got the headlights. You can mow at night if you want. I loved it. I still love it. But you know, there's a part of me that just all of a sudden just wished I had a zero turn. Contentment. Here's the challenge. We see what others have and think, wouldn't it be great to have that house? Ooh. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have that car? Wouldn't it be great to have that vacation? Wouldn't it be great to upgrade this or that? And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But when that's your drive and it, it steals your contentment, that's when something is out of whack. That's when we need to spend time with the Lord and say, God, help me. Someone said it this way. It's in your notes. Your yearning exceeds your earning. Ooh. Your earning, your yearning exceeds your earning. And by the way, it always will, no matter how much you earn. 
financial freedom and, and, and being a good steward of your money, it, it doesn't come from making more money. In fact, it comes from keeping an eye on how you're spending money. Let me say this again a different way. Financial freedom and being a good steward is not based on how much you make. It's based on how you spend it. It's based on how you spend it. Let me, let me, let me give you something from uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Those who love money will never have enough. Is that true? How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. <laughs> Those who love money will never have enough. That's the challenge. You can be financially free at any level of income. And I could give you, I could give you uh, examples of all kinds of levels of income, even in this church, of people who make this much or this much. And financial freedom and, and having joy in, in your life in the area of your finances has very little to do with how much money you make. It has everything to do with, one thing is contentment. Are, is there contentment in your life? If you're always reaching for a certain level of income, listen, as soon as you reach that level, you're going to want another one. You're going to want another one. Now, I, I'm not saying I've completely figured this out. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to better yourself or wanting to, to pursue another job or pursue that, another level of this or that. You pray about it. The Lord will lead you, guide you. But if your ultimate goal is to just have more money to get more stuff, then maybe what you need to do is just hit pause and say, Lord, help me in the area of contentment. Because ultimately, I want to be a disciple of Christ that's content. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Contentment. Enjoy what you have. I think we could stop right there and give an altar call, could we? And just think about, Lord, help me with that one. Second thing, though, let's keep going. Plan your spending. Plan your spending. A heart touched by God is generous and stewards money well by planning their spending. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Good planning. What is planned spending? What is planned spending? A plan for spending is called, I know some circles it's a bad word, but let's say it, budget. A budget. Listen to this. A budget is telling your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it all went. Have you ever been there? A plan for spending is a budget. A budget is telling your money where you want to go rather than wondering where it all went at the end of the month. You know, when I was a kid, there was this, this commercial that was on television you might recognize it as soon as we put this picture up. Put it, put it up there, will you? How do you spell relief? R-O-L-A-I-D-S. I, I never quite understood why anyone would have a need for Rolades until I got old. And then I completely understood it. But I remember as a kid, I knew about the commercials of Rolades. Had no idea how, I mean, just like some guy's indigestion. 
I spell relief, R-O-L-A-I-D-S. The best one is when the guy's up, he's, he's changing the marquee on the movie thing or whatever, you know, coming next, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I have really bad gas. How do I spell relief? And the 12-year-old boy in me started coming up with all kinds of answers. You'll get that later. But, but this, is, this, is, this is what he said, R-O-L-A-I-D-S, R-O-L-A-I-D-S. Do you know how, with your money, how you spell relief? Whatever you're facing right now, financially, can I just encourage you? How do you spell relief when it comes to your finances? Let me tell you, one big step is this. B-U-D-G-E-T, budget. And not just putting it on paper, because I've done that. It's holding to it. <laughs> Having the discipline to stick to it. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. How about Proverbs 21.20? The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. But, ooh, that's a, that's a pretty hefty word. Fools spend whatever they get. Now, I'm not trying to slam anybody, but I'm just, I just want to just talk about this for a second. Do you live paycheck to paycheck, spending whatever you get, never feeling like you get ahead, I just want to encourage you as your pastor because I love you. You don't have to live that way. I can tell you why. Because I've been there, done that. There's been, there was a season in our, in our lives where we, we were there. But this is where a budget and keeping to the budget can cause great stress to, removed, to be removed from you. By simply getting a plan. Telling your money where to go instead of letting it be spent on whatever. Have you, have you ever laid that out? This is, I'm going to tell my, this is how much money I make. Now I'm going to tell it. This month, this is where you're going. And then you stick to it. One of the biggest culprits of the trap of living paycheck to paycheck is called impulse buying. Now this is a guy thing and a girl thing. It goes both ways. Gals and guys, we all struggle. But have you ever walked out of the grocery store with eight things you didn't plan to get? That would be me. Especially if you're hungry. Impulse buying is unplanned buying. It's spontaneous buying. It's I see it, I want it. I wasn't planning on getting it, but I grabbed it anyhow. So, so um, every once in a while, um, we don't do the bulk of our shopping at Harding's Supermarket here in Middlebury. But I'm glad it's there because every once in a while, Megan will be like, hey, can you run to the store and get this and that? And then, okay, so I'm running to the store. And I have a list. I only have three things, but if I don't have a list, I won't remember. And so I have a list on my phone, three, three things. I have a check mark that I'll check as soon as I, and I've got three things. I've got sour cream, I've got jelly, I've got cereal, whatever it may be. I mean, it's there. It's right there, and I'm getting ready. Only, we only get the basics when we go to Harding's, the important stuff. And um, so, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm get, I finally get the stuff. And it takes me twice as long as it should, but I found it. And, and, and then I go up to the register, and of course, what's right there? I mean, you turn around. First of all, all the candy bars behind you, you know? And it's like, hello there, Mr. Snickers. And I'm just like, I think I might need to grab you, or whatever it might be. But, you know, often I can push past that. I'll tell you what I can't get past is the Gear Deli little chocolate squares. Next time you go to Harding, do you check it out? Is there beeping you out or whatever? You're looking straight ahead. Right there are these, and it's Gear Deli. It's not Gear Deli. I looked it up. It's Gear Deli, and we're talking chocolate with caramel inside. Like when the caramel hits your taste buds, the hallelujah chorus goes off in your head. <laughs> hallelujah. 
It's milk chocolate. It's not dark chocolate. Dark chocolate tastes like burnt coffee. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's milk chocolate with the caramel, and and it's just saying, Scott, Scott. The, the, The challenge is I have to get them both eaten by the time I get home so nobody else knows. Because I didn't get one for them. It's all for me. And so, yeah, you grab that. It's an impulse buy. Now, now you, you fast forward to the, uh, in the 1995 uh, uh, stereo set that I bought at Best Buy. <laughs> that was a bit of an impulse buy. I mean, it's a different level. But when we, when we don't plan and there's no planning on how we're going to spend, we make these impulse buys. Uh, and these impulse buys. So, so um, have you ever bought anything and later regretted it? And the answer is yes. In fact, um, I, I stole this picture from someone. Uh, the two, two out of three impulse buys happen in bed on a phone. That's interesting now. That's different than 10, 15 years ago. But the top impulse buys for most people, this is what they said. Food and groceries, household items, clothing, coffee, toys, takeout. You know... If it wouldn't be for my darling wife, we would spend all kinds. I love eating out. You know, I don't know about you for you, but for kids, as I was a kid, we never ate out. I mean, there's this place in Goshen called Burger Chef. Does anyone remember Burger Chef? I, I remember going to Burger Chef, and I was like, oh, this is so exciting. Because we never ate out. Why? Because we didn't have money to. And now I like to pretend like we do have money to eat out all the time. I'm just, real basic thought here, when, when it comes to planning your spending, budget, if you're going to eat out, budget for it then, and if it's not in the budget, then don't, and my wife saves us all the time when it comes to this, but let me tell you, let me tell you something beyond, beyond just that, Financial Peace University. If you've never heard of Financial Peace University, or maybe you've heard us talk about it before, I am, a, a, I think, thrice times I have gone through this. Um, and every time I go through it, I get something more. Uh, in January, January the 18th, we're going to kick off our life groups again. And Financial Peace University is going to be offered. This is one of the greatest programs we've ever seen to help teach you about budgeting, finances, with biblical uh, background and, and principles. So if you've never gone through this, can I encourage you? You can, in fact, you can sign up right now. You know, on your phone, hopefully you have two apps on your phone that come from Pathway. There's two apps. One is a green one, and it's called Services. Do you know what that one's for? That's for when you serve. Ah, it's called Services. So when you serve, you want to know when you serve all the things? You go to Services, the green one. Then there's another white one that has kind of a churchy thing. It's called the Church Center app. That Church Center app, I encourage you to download that, put in Pathway Church for that, because through that, obviously, you can give online, but you can register for anything happening at Pathway. Um, You can even see your giving. Beyond that, um, you can register for life groups like Financial Peace University. It's the only life group that's on there right now. It's not in registrations. It's in life groups. But I would encourage, if you've never been through this, sign up. This is the cheapest we've ever been able to offer it, because we don't make any money off of it. We just, we get the stuff from them and pass it on, but um, it's it's only going to be 50 bucks this round. $50. Sign up. Be a part of that. If you struggle in the area of setting up a budget, it's a great class for you. Nine weeks in a row starts January 18th. But here it is. You plan your spending. Set down. Figure out what we're going to spend this year on these different things. 
It's a spiritual thing. It's a stewardship thing. And I want to say one more thing, then we're going to move on. I'm not saying if, that, that your budget depends on, you know, your salvation depends on your budget. <laughs> I'm not saying if you don't have a budget, then you don't love Jesus. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying from, from practical experience and from the wisdom of the Proverbs and the Word of God, it says good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Let's plan out our finances. Let's quickly let's move to number three. Start saving money now. Start saving money now. A heart touched by God is generous, stewards money well, and starts saving money now. Let's go back to Proverbs 21.20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. They're savings. John D. Rockefeller he was the Elon Musk of his day, one of the first millionaires in the United States. And he was asked this question, how do you get to be a mega millionaire? And this is what he said, the 10-10-80 principle. I tithe the first 10%, I save the second 10%, and I live on the rest, the 80% left over. Now, I just want you to think about that, especially you, those of you who I would put in that younger category. Just think about every check you're starting to make right now, no matter what you're doing. I think back to my, one of my first jobs was Lincoln Avenue Schwinn. I worked in the basement putting the kids' bikes together. If you bought one in the early, uh, let's see, late 80s and it fell apart, that was my fault. Uh, but at that time, my, uh, one of my uncles owned the Lincoln Avenue Schwinn, was part owner, and, and so he gave me a summer job. That was one of my first jobs ever, Lincoln Avenue Schwinn. And here's the question. I, th- I look back and I think every time I got a check, what if I wouldn't have just tithed, but what if even back then in the 1980s, if I'm going to take 10% and just put it in savings, just put it in savings. Put it in. Think about what your savings would look like right now and the freedom you would have. Now, some of you, you're already there. And, and I, I know you're going to hear me say this maybe a couple more times, but if you're like, well, how should I save? What should, what should I save for? What do I use that savings for then? Well, here's the deal. FPU. You need to get signed up because Financial Peace University will help give you wisdom on that. But let me read this verse for you again. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. The writer of Proverbs is saying in the house of the wise there is savings. And that's a verse that we ought to maybe just put on the refrigerator door or wrap it around your wallet or do something where you see it constantly. Let me talk to you about, real quick, two pieces of financial advice in the area of savings that have really helped Megan and I. And, and the first one was from Dave Ramsey, is, is the $1,000 um, emergency fund. Now, um, what we found when, soon after we got married is often the minivan's brakes need to be repaired and, and we need new brakes. We learned that. We learned that the washing machine is going to stop working and it's going to need money to be repaired. We, we learned the dishwasher was going to stop working. And shame on you. Some of you thought, what? What's wrong, what's wrong with Megan? No. That fell flat there. <laughs> Some of you thinking. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Shame on some of you for even thinking that. Dishwasher. I just, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we, we put our like fourth dishwasher in our house. In like, I don't know, 20 years we've lived there, whatever it was. It 
It's crazy how many dishwashers we've replaced. But you know what's gonna happen? It's gonna happen. There's gonna be an emergency. And you know, early on, you know what we did? Well, I don't have any money for that. So what do we do? Pull out Brother Visa. Ah, Sister MasterCard, huh? Dumofat's Discover card. I mean, whatever it is there. I mean, and, and what do we do? Well, I can't afford it, so I guess I'll let Brother Visa take care of it, right? Now, that works great until the end of the month. And then we've still got to deal with it, right? And so, so what do you do? Well, this is, this is what we learned from Dave Ramsey is take $1,000, put it in there for an emergency fund. It is amazing. Years ago, when we did that, how, how little we actually ever used it. It was, it, it was amazing. It was, it was almost like, this just doesn't even make sense. But you always set it there. You don't use it for vacation. You don't use it for anything else. The only thing you use it for is when there's an emergency and you don't have the finances to fix this, this, or this. And then as soon as you use some of it, you pay yourself back. So early on in our marriage, the, the challenge was not to pull out Brother Visa, but let's trust God. You say, well, Scott, how in the world could I ever get $1,000? Well, let me just ask you, when's the last time you, you, you bought a 24-pack of Coke? Or something stronger. Can I just encourage you? Don't do it. Take that money and save it. You know, we talked about eating out a few moments ago. Um, you know, that's one of the places where I think most Americans probably blow, maybe most of our extra money is just eating out. I love to eat out maybe more than you do. But here's the deal. Don't do it. Save up that $1,000. I promise you. The next, the next time you get a tax return of your money that the government's been hanging on to is your money anyhow. You take that. Don't go buying the latest toy, this, whatever. Invest it. Save it. Get that $1,000 emergency fund. And if you want to learn more of this, he talks about an FPU. But I said there was two things. The second thing is this, and I'll make this quick. A secret Megan and I have learned um, some time ago is this. If you want to get ahead financially is every time you start making more money than you used to make, maybe you get a raise or you take on this side gig or whatever, just, just save it and don't increase your living. So like you're living at this point and you know, you're pretty content. Well then, hey, isn't this great? Got a little bit of a raise. Figure out what that raise is and don't start spending this much. No, keep living here. Save that amount. And then you get another rate. Okay, just save that amount. You say, well, Scott, now, don't get me wrong. We're not living in the same teeny tiny house we used to live in. Um, about 20 years ago, we, we got a bigger house. So there's certain things. Your car breaks down. You got you to do what you got to do. But understand this. Just keep living that way. And we still live this way. This past Thursday night, I got a text Thursday during the day. Megan's like, hey, let's go grocery shopping after you get off work. I'm like, if you want to spend time with me, I'll, okay, I'll do that, you know. You know, you can just ask. All these doesn't have to be involved, you know. And, and so, we're going, so we're going shopping, and we're walking through the aisle, the first aisle. And uh, Megan's grabbing stuff because Megan is, she's really good at budgeting. And, and, and really, when it, when it comes time, the grocery budget, it's just, it's all her thing. And so I'm walking through there, and she grabs, and I see what I need right there. It's like, and it's Clancy's. Come on, any all your friends here? Clancy's pub style pretzels. That's my latest thing. And if you haven't had them yet, Clancy's pub style, they got garlic flavor to them and they're really, oh, they're good. They're good. 
And, and so, uh, hoping she didn't notice, I grabbed a bag. <laughs> She's up there, threw it in the cart. Of course, she noticed. And, and you know what her response was? I, I was half, like, excited, and I was half scared. <laughs> <laughs> but what was her response? Her response was, how much was that, or is that? It's like, $1.99. I'm like, this guy can buy himself a $1.99 bag of pretzels. But you know, the truth of the matter is, I'm so glad she, she's that way because she has saved us tons of money because she's a, if, if, if there's ever a time in our marriage that we have gone over budget, it hasn't been because of her. It's been because of this guy right here. But we still shop at Aldi's. We still, we have the Aldi quarter, you know. Uh, and if, if you, you know, you know. If you know, you know. Why? Because we want to be able to be generous, we want to be able to be generous to others. And, and Okay, so those, those are just two quick things. When it comes to savings, you want to learn more about that? We've got FPU coming up. Let me hit the fourth thing, final thing is this. Get out of debt. Get out of debt. A heart touched by God is generous and stewards money well and gets out of debt. God has some wisdom for us on this one, but I want to say something to you that might just be very un-Ramsey-like. Uh, but I just want to say it to you. Both the law and Jesus permitted borrowing money. Let's read this. Uh, Leviticus chapter 25, just real quick. I just want you to say, if one of your countrymen becomes poor and is unable to support himself among you, help him as you would an alien or a temporary resident so he can continue to live among you. Do not take interest of any kind from him, but fear your God so that your countrymen may continue to live among you. There was a, a way in the law of the Old Testament allowing allowing for borrowing of money. Then we go to Jesus. Jesus says this in, in Matthew chapter something. There it is, chapter five. Give to the one who asked you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Luke chapter six, verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. What's your point, Scott? I just wanna say, um, the Bible doesn't come right out and say, thou shalt not borrow money, but... It is very clear that there are consequences when we do borrow money. And that's what we've got to focus on. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says, Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. That's the challenge right there. You know, even Dave Ramsey gives a little wiggle room when it comes to mortgage debt and some of those things. But there's still no getting around this idea that, when I have to borrow money, I'm really a servant to that lender. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. So here's what we know. If you're in debt, you're not going to get out of debt automatically. Well, if the White House has something to say about it, perhaps. <laughs> but you're not going to get out of debt by accident. It's not going to be like someday you wake up and like, oh, this is great. I have no more debt. No, it doesn't work that way. It's hard work. You got, it took you a long time to get into it. Now it's going to take you some time to get out of it. But can I encourage you as your pastor, work on it. Focus on it. You didn't get into debt overnight. It's going to take maybe even some years for some of us. But I encourage you, get out of debt. That will not happen without some discipline, without making some tough choices. But as your pastor, listen to me. I've seen enough families go through this that the moment you can get this tension off of your life, and you can begin to discipline yourself to follow the budget and get out from underneath some extreme debt. It, 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 it saves marriages. It saves relationships with, with the rest of the family. 
God can do miracles when we line our finances up with biblical principles. If, if you could take the pressure off, why wouldn't you do it? I just, I just encourage you. And you're like, Scott, I don't even know where to start. I mean, you, you just said Discover, MasterCard, Visa. You forgot American Express, Scott. And you're like, I've got all these. And I've got debt. I've got college debt. I've got this debt. I've got that debt. Well, let, let me just encourage you. Just um, start somewhere. And FPU will help you, help guide you and lead you. Chris and Sarah Smith have taught this class before. It's not like they're the experts or anything, but they've taught this class before. They're going to help you. And the, the whole group is going to help you as you hold each other accountable to work through these things. And if you're financially debt-free, think about all of the things in your life that you can't do now because you're in bondage to debt right now. I mean, if, if, if there's debt hanging over you, I think about... I, I, I'll close with this thought. I think about the first time the Holy Spirit, I just felt the little nudge. And it's like God was saying, give your, give your vehicle away. Now, since then, we've, we've done this several times. Um, but that was the first time, and I never even said anything to Megan about it. Because it was, I was like, what? I mean, this is, this is beyond, just I don't understand. And, and the more I prayed, the more I thought about it, I even, I said this word to God. I said, God, one small problem here, um, we don't own the thing. We were still paying payments on the thing at that time. I was like, how can I give away something that I don't own? It wasn't a, a, an audible voice, but it was an impression from God said, exactly. You know, from that day on, I'm not saying we've never borrowed money since then, but what I'm saying is, is if we have to borrow money, we do everything we can to pay it off way before it has to be paid off. We push and push and push to get that thing paid off because I don't want to be slave to the lender. I, I, don't, I don't want to be slave to the lender. I want to, be, I want to be somebody that whenever God moves in my heart to do something, to give something, I just want to say, yes, Lord. Because why? I'm a steward of all this. I'm a steward. Everything I have is God's anyhow. Part of stewarding the 90% well it's to do our best to get out of debt. So four things. Heart touched by God is generous and stewards money well. By enjoying what you have, it's called contentment. By planning your spending, it's called a budget. Start saving now. I mean, even before you hit FPU, if you don't have a $1,000 uh, just uh, emergency fund just sitting there because the dishwasher, the washing machine, something's going to break. Your brakes are not going to work. Something. If you don't have that, start now. Get out of debt. Start thinking about how can I get out of debt, and, and we're going to help you with that come January 18th. But so many things. You know, there's other things. Work hard. How about that one? I mean, how can we steward our money well? We'll steward your time. We'll work hard. Make money honestly. There's other things I could say, but these four things, as you look at that list, is there one of these that you're like, you know, I really need to think through that one. I need to pray through on that one. What is it, what is it you need to do? In fact, can we just take a moment right now and let's just pray. Let's just pray.